0: and welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Supply Chain Podcast. This is the space you'll remember where we discuss all the different challenges facing supply chain professionals today. I'm your host, Louise Barber. I'm Head of Global Marketing here at DHL Supply Chain, and I'm on a mission to bring you the experts to answer the questions that you have that might be keeping you awake at night about your supply chain needs. I'm really excited about today's topic it's quite futuristic, but that said, it's something that is affecting our lives on a daily basis. And I'm really excited to have Tim Teslaff with me today. Tim's the Vice President and Global Head of Accelerated Digitalization at DHL Supply Chain. Tim, welcome. It's great to have you here. Can you just give us a bit of background into who you are and what you do?
1: Surely, can what, what an intro. Yeah. Thanks, uh, th- thanks for having me. Um, yeah, as you said, Tim Tetzler, um leading a program that we call Accelerated Digitalization at DHL Supply Chain globally, um, and having the pleasure of doing this for four years now since we started. And what my responsibility really is with a team of experts from our regions and functions is to bring more digital technologies to a wider number um, of our 1,500 operations worldwide. And uh, digital technologies in this space means um, yeah anything digital so can be sensor solutions, can be analytic solutions, can be robotics, uh, digitally enabled automation, but also wearable devices that help our operators do their job more efficiently. Imagine for instance, a smartwatch that tells you where to walk next to the next pick. Yeah, I'm based in Cologne, uh, Germany, very close to our head office um, in uh, Bonn, happily married, have a son, and I'm very much looking forward to our discussion here today.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for that, Tim. It's it's great to hear a bit about you. It's one of those one of those times where we talk every day, we probably don't know each other that well, come into contact. It's great to get a bit of background. Hadn't realized that you've been doing this since the beginning, so, so for the last four years. So even better, you are the man to um to answer some of those burning questions for us. Um but before we jump right into the topic, I have to admit I get a bit confused about this. We talk about digitization. Digitalization and digital transformation, yeah. are those are those spelling mistakes? Um, can you clear those up for us a bit, Tim? What's the difference between those? Yeah,
1: I'll do my best. And so I think um, depending on which audience has the conversation, it may very well be spelling mistakes, but I think there are very clear differences between these uh, three terms. And so what we work by is, um, is basically that digitization is in the end, just the transformation of an analogous um, process or analogous information into a digital format. A simple example, you can also still today run your entire warehouse operations on paper without any system, without any IT. It's That's possible. That's also what it's been like um, for yeah, a long time in the logistics industry. But you know, imagine you get your pick list, you get your orders, it's all mail-based, mm. you just print it out and so on. That is very paper-based. Now, digitization would simply be You put some system in place that transforms this information from paper-based analog into digital format, nothing else. You don't change the process, nothing. It's just now in digital format. Now, if we look into digitalization now, that would be that on top of having the information now computer-readable, digital-available, you now actually do things differently. An example, again, what you couldn't do before um, with uh, paper-based information is more you know, advanced planning, maybe also adding some algorithm for um, who picks what, where, maybe looking at capabilities of your workforce in the warehouse. Maybe someone is a bit strong and can lift heavier right. items and so on. So now maybe you want to introduce not only a digital process, but you want to do things differently. You want to have a new business model, yeah, or like a new way of doing things. That would be digitalization. As an example, um, an algorithmic tool that assigns different um, tasks to workers that have different capabilities, or also maybe then in the midterm, Um, putting in some um, robotic process automation, so some automation of digital information that sends emails out proactively and so on. That would be digitalization. And then the last point, digital transformation. And I think that's the most um, interesting one and also um, the most important one because it encompasses digitization and digitalization is about setting an organization up for maximizing the application of digitalization and digital solutions and that's also what we do so my boss has the title of digital transformation officer and okay. our role then also is to ensure that our organization is really set up to reap the benefits of the digital technologies that are already out there while not overloading our organization but really doing that at pace to um, to maximize the impact of what's possible today and then also tomorrow
0: Okay, thank, thanks for that. That actually makes perfect sense. So um, so digitize, digitalization is what we can do today. Digital transformation is how we might mix that up and do something very, very different in the future.
1: Yeah, so I think there's like some things in digitalization we can already do today. And then digital transformation is really, as you say, yeah. so they, um, I'm part of the digital transformation office. So we're about, okay, this is what we can do today. Let's roll it out, let's scale it. Let's really deploy this to our operations. Um, and that's a continuous process actually. So what I did four years ago was definitely different to what um, I do today, but the concept didn't change. What yeah. are you doing
0: today, yeah. It
1: will be again different tomorrow, yeah?
0: Oh, quite. I mean, just in I've been here just over three years now and the, the difference between three years ago and today, Um, just in terms of the solutions I see when I'm out and about visiting different sites, but also, um, the narrative that we hear in the organization, we're we're on a very different trajectory today than, you know, even three years ago, but, but Tim, um, how much, how much do we do in, in the supply chain? How much is digital transformation? And so how much is digitalization?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also a good good question, Lou. And I would say so of of course I can't give any absolutely specific numbers, but I'll say, you know, when we started in twenty eighteen, yeah, um, let's say back then um eighty percent of what we did was more on this was the simple things. Yeah. So it was first of all setting a basis. Yeah. So that's like, do we have the right systems in place? Um, do we have people that know um how to use these systems? Do we have more computer readable information in place? And twenty percent was back then already the, um, you know, advanced automation, also the robotics we now see in many of our operations worldwide. And I think that's, you know, a shift that we now seen um, over the last four years that has almost reversed itself. Yeah, so um, I would say from from my, um, the time that I spend now also 80% will definitely be on um, deploying more advanced solutions jointly with our teams. That would be collaborative robotics, that would be um, smart automation solutions, that would be um, mm-hmm. Algorithmic or data analytics tools um, that use the data we already have available. So there really has been this transition from um, uh, 2080 to now 8020, with a focus on now more advanced solutions. But well, we also shouldn't forget um, that there's of course a regional flavor to this. Yeah, it's you know, my role um, is global, and I work with teams in all our um, five regions. Uh, but of course, what we do in North America is different to what we do in Peru. What we do in Australia is different to what we do in um Malaysia or Indonesia. Um and it's all the same logic, it's all the same journey, but it's on different steps um in that in that journey, different maturity curves. And the opportunity really is to cater that perfectly and with our team of experts across all regions and functions realize what makes most sense today and then also set the basis for what else comes tomorrow.
0: Sure. And how how much of the Look, we've seen massive acceleration, as I've just said, in the last couple of years. How much of that has come as a result of disruption associated with COVID?
1: Yeah, Lou, very good question. And um, I think COVID has been a major disruption. I think most recently we see, unfortunately, not the only one um, that we as a global community have to deal with. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to, stick to, to go a bit back to 2018 when we started um, um, our accelerated digitalization journey. Um, and outline the main drivers back then, because in in essence, what we've seen is that these disruptions, whether it's COVID, Brexit, uh, the mm-hmm. geopolitical situation, amplified what we've seen back then. Yeah, but let me give you a bit of um, some some background, some examples there, because what the supply chain board saw in um, 2018 were three main trends. Uh, first of all, um, consumer demands were go- for logistics services were going through the roof, and that just like meant, you know, back then already, every one of us was used to having maybe the Amazon app on their smartphone and expecting, okay, if I order something online, it is delivered same day or next day in most geographies. Yeah. It's delivered free of charge um, and I can return it at any point in time. Yeah, And that's, if you compare mm-hmm. this, and I, as I remember when I was... Uh, much younger than today, you would order in a mail catalog and you would send that out. And there was like seven euros, 90 something, you know, in Germany, at least for logistic services, and they're all gone. Yeah, so basically this huge consumer pressure was the first aspect. The second one was, if you wanted to deliver these services, you need workforce, uh, lots of people, just like to ensure you have any chance of picking, packing, sending, returning, um, all of these items. Yeah. Um, So like, look at the distribution centers that you would need to have um, in place um to just um have any chance at um at, at delivering these uh, services that customers demanded and i think it's important to note here as well that of course started in the consumer space but there's an immediate um follow-up pressure on b2b as well because customers of b2b expected them the same and that means for DHL supply chain we saw this also already happening across all sectors not only consumer retail e-commerce but also now other industry mm-hmm. verticals we're active in yeah so first one consumer demands second one Um, On the um, um, supply side, labor was getting scarcer and scarcer, at the same time more important. And the third trend that happened is that at that time frame, we actually saw... um, Digital technology has been mature enough to make a difference and alleviate some of these concerns. Yeah, So like algorithmic tools which, you, which would allow you to do better planning, using a smaller number of people in your warehouse to work more efficiently. Looking a bit ahead yeah, in terms of uh, you know which orders come in tomorrow. That was something that came in as well as robotic solutions that could already help you with maybe taking over the most mundane tasks. You don't want to have your people just walking around a warehouse all the time and basically every 10 minutes doing a pick. Um, of an order yeah. which is the actual value adding activity yeah so these three things came together sure. that's why we set up accelerated digitalization with a focus on technologies that were already mature enough to being scaled across our operations worldwide and that's the journey we've been on um, ever since and now back to your question because all of that is preamble of course what then happened with COVID, for instance is that this was just amplified now imagine people are not only used to order um online but now they stay at home and order everything online Imagine. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you don't, you don't have any choice anymore. And um, that was like something. So that pressure increased even further. Yeah. But then if you look at labor now, imagine suddenly the people that you have get more sick. Fewer people. Fewer people. people. Yeah. Oh, now imagine also very concrete yeah. example. Yeah. So um, think about a, a large e-com operation gets containers in with product from wherever it has to be unloaded. Yeah. And what we would do typically is then also, okay, you know, um, we need to unload that container fast because it didn't actually arrive at 9 a.m. as we thought. It only arrived at 11, but our customers won't be happy if we say, oh, sorry, came late. You get your order only next day or the day after. So we would just like send five people into that container to unload. In COVID, they were like, oh, you need two meters distance. So one person in that container. yeah." And then that also, you know, is another um, huge amplification of this trend of labor scarcity because now we had fewer people and we even had a restricted area of how we can, Um, uh, use the human workers that we have to provide these services. And that's then when you look into digital tools, you know, robotic solutions for unloading, maybe flexible conveyors, maybe robotic arms and so on, where we could really make a difference um, in that space also in COVID. And I think the point then there is also um, once these disruptions take place, all the concepts, you would discuss this, you know, theoretically before, we would think, okay, what if and so on, this happened and it's here to stay yeah so all the technologies that we introduced during covid all the um, pressure that we felt during covid actually didn't go away back. has not gone back yeah so it's just then right. a new normal so to say and just last last comment maybe on that um you can make the same case you know brexit happened driver so- driver shortage it's not covid same it you know under underpins and emphasizes amplifies um, really, these these challenges that we are addressing um, with digitalization, and I will not go into the uh, current geopolitical situation, but I think that's that's all um, um, leading to the same um, argument that digitalization is a massive help to increase the flexibility that um, you know 3PLs and the logistics industry needs to excel um, in in this new normal, where you know I think. COVID hopefully um, will be solved at one point in time, but new crises, new disruptions will come. Um, and only if you're flexible and can adapt um, is there any chance to to excel in that marketplace.
0: Com- completely. And I think, you know, we have to see digitalization as an enabler because it, it absolutely is. And if you think of the experience that we as a business had during covid um, you're absolutely right. The demand for digital solution went through the roof. And, and thanks for explaining, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of to why that was um, actually the um, distance between people unloading hadn't crossed my mind. It's obvious now you say it, but it actually hadn't crossed my mind, um, except I remember working with one of your colleagues and he was working on um, a jacket that actually had an alarm in it so if you got too close to the person next to you that would you know remind you that you need to keep social dis- socially distant yeah. um so i think we all learned a lot during covid um and I think, you know, not just in this, I think there are so many aspects of life that have changed during COVID that, w- that will never return. So, some for the good, some some for the perhaps not so good. But I think digitalization and the way we use it, that collaborative robotics is certainly one of the things that is here to stay that will improve and enhance um, the lives of our colleagues. Um, as you say, it means they can do more value added work. Typically, what questions are customers asking you to which the answer might be? yeah you need digital transformation what are the, what are the customer needs that we're satisfying beyond cost yeah
1: yeah i think um so overall you could you could almost like say um what our customers want is 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 is, is three things first of all they want to be optimally informed so that's where's my right. shipment where's my goods you know um do we have enough at the moment okay. um and so on so that's like really visibility optimal information second one is do you move my product most efficiently so like do you really ensure that you know we are using latest technology but it also has to be reliable it can't be something where you show me a video that it works once and then the operation is down every every week for a day yeah so i think that's the um uh, second uh, second aspect that this um logistics service is really Deploy and um, is really delivered um, most uh, efficiently. And then the last point is um, on everything quality. So optimally assured, I'd say. So is the product. Um um, handled adequately? Is it, if it's cool uh, storage, is it really, you know, cold chain? Is that properly um, handled and so on? And for all of these, you would then have um, a portfolio of digital solutions and DHL supply chain, of course, also, you know, we have our Go Green solutions and so on. But, you know, for me, talk mm-hmm. about digital and um, where the customer expects us to offer that portfolio to him, you know, and, you know, being knowledgeable, okay, what works where? What can I already deploy right now? What should we still test and so on to then deliver these services? Yeah? And I think then, because you mentioned this point on cost, that also becomes something which is much more a partnership and value discussion than a pure cost discussion, uh, which I think is the most exciting uh, discussions to be in. If it's just about, uh, can you do this cheaper? You know, have to do that oftentimes, but it's not the meetings or the discussions that I take lots of energy uh, away from. It's much more if it's about value, um, and that can be, again, of course, be uh, can be cost, can be money, but can also be, employee satisfaction can be um, better visibility, new customer insights, um, all of these.
0: And how much customer demand is there, Tim? And this is a really unfair question, but are customers coming to you saying, show me your digital solutions, or are you having to say, okay, I'm responding to the questions that you've asked us around optimizing and, and, and giving you access to yeah. data, let me show you. Yeah. Is, is it a pull or a push for us?
1: Yeah, um, so it, it's, it's both. Um, I'd say at the moment we're 50 50 yeah so like also um, if sure. you ask me I, I think I spend too much time still on pushing yeah um, um, what is available what we can do how things could look like yeah? and with with all of our teams um, today and then just like being pulled in yeah? or like also people asking proactively hey, you know how can we make something work and so on but it's 5050 now I think it was again in 2018. 2080, and of course, the goal is to uh, move towards um, yeah, at least 80% um, pull 20% push, but maybe one concrete example as well um, from this year. So in, in May, um, I was asked to work with um, a large automotive spare parts um, company um, and outlining mm-hmm. basically what can we do for them as DHL supply chain. Yeah, and of course, you know, um, our um, account lead took me uh, with um, him to that meeting. Um, and that was that was like a real like for me mind. I mean, it, was, it was 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 mind blowing. But they were they were honestly and positively excited of what we could show because, you know, one thing is showing here's like a slide with our technologies. Here's like a dashboard that shows you how much we have in your sector, in which region, and so on. Which like they were already like okay, that's really cool what we also did is again you know a bit digital transformation i had a colleague of mine um at standby in a warehouse not where this meeting took place because that was somewhere in germany in a nice wine region but i had a colleague of mine in a an automotive warehouse where we deployed an autonomous forklift um, solution and he was in that warehouse with um a um a camera um and a microphone so basically like we talk right now and then i dialed him into that meeting so i could really go from Here's our strategic agenda. Here's like where we are at the moment. Here's like one concrete example for the sector that is relevant for you. And now let's dial into that warehouse so that you can see that DHL is real about it. And I think that was then also Why? what really took them um, took them like by, okay, that is really cool. Now we would really like to see even more of this. Let's do a tour of our your North American UK I warehouses and maybe do some business with you. So I think that's then really the discussions where you can create that pull even more.
0: Yeah, bringing it to life in the moment. There's nothing quite like that is there and, and experiencing it. And, you know, I think about a hundred years ago when I was a kid, when we all used to pretend we could talk into something and talk to other people. And now we've got mobile phones and actually do it. Um, and we're, you know, a step away from from all being in um, driverless cars. You're right, we've got those, we've got driverless forklifts in our in our um, operations that, that are just interacting as if they've always been there. Um, so again i guess that's a comment on the massive acceleration we've seen in implementations around these things over the last the last couple of years in particular it it really it really is incredible so i'm going to ask you another unfair question because i've already done a few of those we've opened that door tip if a customer came to you today and you agreed on um getting on a, a digital agenda with them what is the lead time between that first conversation and starting to see some of that digitalization being implemented and, and making a difference for them? Is it a really long lead time?
1: Um, so also it depends on uh, which technologies we look at. Yeah, so um, right. what, I, what I would typically um, think of, and let's just like stay with that example of this uh, spare parts company. Mm-hmm. You know, we also, we, as um, DHL supply chain, work in a funnel logic because the market changes all the time. Technologies change, but we say, you know, there are some technologies which we still test and, you know, evaluate. Is this something which works, which we are also comfortable enough to roll out at scale? That's, you know, innovation, proof yeah. of concept, first funnel stage. If we say, yep, works, then we move over to productizing that technology, making it off the shelf available. That's also what um, I have a team yeah. to work on that we can really say, OK, technology works. Um, make sense in these sectors, uh, these geographies, let's ensure that for opportunities where we have this, we don't have to go through another RFP, another market screen, but we just pull it out of this uh, shelf deploy it and then really scale it up last stage commercialization. And now to your question um, of of lead time, um, what we would typically also be mindful of, you know, um, for that specific customer, are there some... I don't want to call it uh, low-hanging fruits, yeah, but some things which you can deploy very quickly. You mentioned these jackets with sensors where you actually are notified if you're more than, uh, if you're closer than two meters to the next colleague to you. Yeah, so this is something which you can do in a week. Yeah, some sensor solutions we can also deploy in a week. Some software-based Amazing. optimizations solutions can be done in, in weeks or months. But then, if you look into more complex uh, process changes, so your example of the um, autonomous forklift which we have live, that of course requires you know, involvement from health and safety. Huge, inv- exactly. huge, yeah. Yeah, so that's like something where we Investment look... Investment in knowledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is something where we look then into um, into more like uh, months to um, also, you know, some of the projects also, to be honest, that we deployed during COVID took a year and longer. But that's also yeah. fine because we still need to learn. I think what customers also look for is um, that DHL supply chain provides um, tested and proven technology, but also does this in an environment where we are sure um that uh, the process is the right one technology is the right one health and safety is in short data security is in short and so on and that are things you know the more complex the deployment the more complex also these topics to look through but um you know then from a customer perspective the idea would be to show that journey look into what what is most important to them and then also um transparently communicate what can be done right now how would that inform what comes next and when do we do these things that we can do next
0: amazing um you made me think there about. I've heard the expression "digital by default." Are we for new customers that that are just starting their journey? Is this a is there such a thing? Is a is a digital supply chain that start that doesn't need that transformation because yeah. it starts digital? Yeah. are we there yet?
1: Um, conceptually, we are there. So, like, also "digital by default" is also something actually originated originated in the in the UK. So, like, our UK team. Mm-hmm. Um, Created this overview. If we think of the funnel again, you know, if you really are now, you've, 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 okay, makes sense, works, productized, deployed it many times, and we say, you know, where this technology makes sense, we shouldn't even have a discussion anymore. Let's deploy it. Yeah? An example. Yeah,
0: sure. Sure. Um,
1: if you do um, in a n- new warehouse, um, if you have um, you know five people cleaning the floor every evening, yeah, like why wouldn't you use a, a a cleaning robot, which is which is you could just buy it, yeah. So this would be one thing where you yeah. said, you know. That is now a part of the digital by default, and that is also something which our um, IT, so our BD, um, IT teams, but also our other customer teams, uh, use then to ensure that when our, we, as a um, as a global team, but also our regional management, looks at a new project, that we can say, did we consciously um, look at this list, and if um, we could deploy a technology, did we consciously decide against it for whatever valid reason? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe there's a contract that mm-hmm. was still running for 10 years, but that is really something which. Works and which we're trying to push out even more. Again, there the point is, of course, what is digital by default in the UK is different to what is digital by default in Brazil. Yeah? But the concept is the of same. Course. And we Im- imagine a convergence of this over time, um, which I think will not be one or two years, will rather be five, 10 years. Um, but it's also, I think, something that customers expect from us, yeah, that we can also say, you know, this is really what we would expect in every new warehouse. Every new transport operation, and if not, there's a valid reason. You know, I'm based in Germany. Can also be sometimes um, uh, data protection aspects why some things are possible in uh, some geographies, not in others. Um, but definitely one thing to 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 push even further, which we also focus on at the moment.
0: So you mentioned customer expectation there, Tim. Um, to what extent are um, are our customers expecting us to, uh, well, listen, obviously customers are expecting us to lead the way. That's exactly what you just said. How do we develop our technology? How how are we innovating? Are we um, are we responding to needs or are we innovating ahead of the game? What's our research yeah. and development program like? Yeah.
1: yeah, so I think the clear aspirations are we need to be ahead of the game. We need to be the thought leader on these topics uh, for our customers. And I think we also are. The thing is, you know, DHL supply chain um the most global third party logistics provider. And you know, just when we look at the area that I oversee, of course it is my aspiration to know exactly what is going on in the marketplace, which technologies are out there, um, you know, what is yeah. deployed. And I think we also that's also the, the beauty of it, it's not me only here in Cologne, but it is thousands of our colleagues all over the world that then work jointly to collect, okay, here are the trade shows we go to, here's like the technologies that we've seen, here's what we tested, um, mm-hmm. all in a standard way. And that's like something which also will be dev- very difficult to, um, to copy by any of our competitors, because they don't just don't have that reach. Yeah. And the other point then, yeah, I think really is um, this logic of, uh, of this of the funnel approach and productizing that we say, you know, um, we can actually assess what technology makes sense where? What's like our, you know, maybe uh, ballpark um, number of, of 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 robots to deploy? And that is very then where we are very attractive for um, what you mentioned, the partners, the technology partners in, um, um, in in digitalization. Yeah. So we had, for instance, last year we announced uh, an agreement to deploy 2,000 robots with one provider by the end of 2022. Uh, we've already hit that target right now. Yeah. So we're only in July, sorry, in August. But well, we already deployed more um, than, than we set out for. But that's also the your aspect in terms of research program. You know, one thing is new from new. So what new technology is out there? But there's, of course, also new from existing. So how can we, sure. with our operations, inform these technology companies, which very often don't have the same logistics expertise as we have? Well, we can really put that into our operations. We can really give it into the hands of our operators and say, it's really cool that you set it up that way. But honestly, our floor... Is not as in you know slightly different. Yeah, exactly. It's not not as in your in your gym at home. It's not just like completely flat. There are some bumps in it and so on. So, I think also you mentioned you went to you went to Apex again, mezzanine with mesh 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 flooring. Yeah, and then you said great 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 if a robot works on perfectly um, cleaned up marble. Yeah. But that's maybe not the reality. Our warehouses maybe you know maybe there's you know a concrete floor, maybe there is some uh, steel beams in there, maybe it's a bit dirty and so on. So those things we can also feed back to our providers, inform them about which product development features really make a difference, and say you know mm-hmm. if you actually put that in place, we can deploy your solution at another 20 sites. And that's what I think you know also this new from existing is a huge opportunity for us, where we are also in a position to really lead. Um, um, what digitalization and logistics look like and definitely for our customers um, be the most interesting partner to talk to about what works in their operation right now, but also in three years, in five years and also what they should have done already eight years ago.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Tim. I went to the Innovation Center while I was in um, APAC last week and I know that we've got four Innovation Centers worldwide now, um, but some, I got to see the quadruped. I'm guessing that you know the quadrupet, which is just like a, like a robotic dog. And initially you think, okay, you've built a robotic dog. What are we going to do with a robotic dog? But when you start to think about how people interact, um, to, to your point a moment ago, when, you know, the, the ground isn't always flat. Um, so, uh, the guy that was demonstrating this to us started to, to, to demonstrate this, this quadruped thing and, and really give us examples of how in terms of final mile that will cover terrain that nothing with wheels is ever going to cover. Um, and the flexibility around it and the, the years of innovation that that has taken and, um, the, the, the years of work it has taken to get us to what is essentially a robotic dog. Yeah. Um, but the applications of that are potentially uh, huge. Yeah. Um, so really exciting to see that we are really investing ahead of the game. We don't quite know what the use case is going to be yet, but in terms of the methodology, it's like you say, sometimes what we're striving for may not be the obvious things. You know, it might not be a flying car. It might be a vehicle that works on a dirty floor. Yeah. yeah. Um, Perhaps not so exciting, but its application is is enormous. But maybe also Um,
1: one one, one thought there just quickly, because like what you mentioned, so this, um, this dog, um, I assume this is the Boston Dynamics spot dog. Yeah. And that's a, a yes, perfect, was. perfect example, yeah. Because um, you know we have a collaboration with with Boston Dynamics, um, and they come from you know like, I think so I forgot what their actual vision is, but they almost want to show what robotics can do and how like you know you have robots exactly back, the art of the possible. Exactly the art of the possible, doing backflips and so on. But the really cool thing is you know, um, and they they mention to this this often time, yeah. They for instance they have um, the the robot dog um, Spot. They also have a Humanoid robot with arms and a head, which is called Atlas. Yes. Um, And they said, you they had people saying, "Oh, I need your robot in my warehouse to move boxes." And they were like, "Do you really need, you know, a multi-million-dollar research product to move boxes in a warehouse? Maybe the form factor is slightly different." And that is then exactly to your point, where we can come together because jointly with these providers, and that's concretely what we do also with Boston Dynamics, we look at what skills do you have, what capabilities do you have, which the, the supply chain will will never have that expertise in robotics and building yeah. never. But we can look into what do we really need and what's the best form factor for delivering that service. And I think that's really where it comes together. Yeah. And then for um yeah. for, for for robots, I think really um just like also what 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 I sometimes always refer to, um dirty, distant, dangerous, dull, these four elements is where you can already deploy robots today. Also where this dog then helps a lot. Yeah. Um Oh
0: yeah. And the other thing that I felt I was a bit surprised about with the robotic dog. Um, look, I work in brands, so I'm, I'm used to being touched emotionally, not just rationally. The dog was cute. Um, and it's, I mean, basically it's a, it's a plastic dog. Yeah. Um, It does amazing things and works just like a dog. But what is it in me that finds this dog cute? There is something about me that wanting to interact with it. And whilst I can rationalize that and think, yeah, that's a one-off, it's not a one-off. Because when we visited the site and we saw people interacting with, um, with, with the bots, the things that are moving around and going to the right places to do the next pick, there's almost an emotion between the pickers and the bots. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's a, so there's a real thing, this, this, um, this robotic collaboration yeah. is a thing yeah. um, and seeing them work side by side, it really is collaboration. Yeah. And, just one, and is, is that something that is typical?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so I also wanted, wanted to mention, so the, uh, what you're out and this, this collaboration you know, that's also, to your earlier question um, on how we can scale up, that's, that's crucial, yeah, that we get this type of, you know, no anxiety, not like sort of, you know, I want to be part of this and so on. And what you outlined there are very concrete examples of where this works. What we've seen for all our deployments um, of, of robots is that the operational team actually also does a naming competition and then gives each of the robots a name. Yeah? And of course, I think every site has a C3PO and an R2D2, but it also gets very creative, yeah. So in uh, in Spain, um, they gave um, the uh, the robots have names of dogs of the um, warehouse workers. So they have the have name of um, of the warehouse worker oh, dogs.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, my, my favorite, my favorite though is uh, from 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 the UK actually, um, where um, they have one robot, and it's also it's one of those that you saw in uh, in uh, in Asia. So that uh, takes a tote a carton through the warehouse and then is picked into. And this one is called Oscar de Bot, and
0: um, oh, and they got Patrick Kelleherz as yes, well, haven't they? Yes,
1: yes. So, like, basically, then also having our senior management represented as a uh, robot um, on the on the shop floor, um, and then you know, of course, the team has lots of fun saying, you know, which robot has the lowest pick rate again, yeah, and so on. <laughs> so, um, but I think that engagement is really also what would makes a difference. Great to see this also, um, as you mentioned, uh, from the teams in uh, in Asia Pacific.
0: Yeah. It was amazing. It was, um, it's really quite inspiring to see. Um, and you know, people not seeing this as a threat, but really appreciating the interaction with the robots to make their, um, the quality of the the value they were adding so much greater. Um, Tim, I'm going to ask the million dollar question. What's the future look like? What's happening in, you know, I mentioned talking into things when I was a, a small child and, you know, we talk about flying cars. What's the future like in 10 to 20 years?
1: Yeah. Um, if i only knew no but i haven't i haven't i have an idea and yeah? um, and i think um one thing um that was actually mentioned in one of 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 the previous episodes with richard uh, wilding so this idea of um having fully dark warehouses and you know like there's no human in there it's all done by by robots or by automation and we're all mm. out of jobs i distinctly do not think that this is what it's the future looks like yeah it won't, won't be that way yeah so you look at sort of um the key driver of what um, you know changes how we um, provide logistic services at the moment: is flexibility. And flexibility is typically something where you need to balance robotic automation, human labor, and so on. So I think the future yeah. will be one where we have more rewarding jobs in our operations, but also in in, in our functions working with digital tools. But where um, you know you can flex up and down based on also different um, demands. Yeah. So. You can add more robots if you um, don't have the labor but if you have then you know more um, tasks that require versatility then that is also something where you can bring humans in again that's typically the more interesting tasks also for robotic arms you know it's um it's it's very difficult doing things that are super easy for me as a human yeah so i can just grab this bottle and open it and i don't need any training for it yeah but next i'll just grab this face mask soft yeah and i could put it on but these very dexterous tasks are still very difficult for for forwards to do. So I think there's always, you know, less walking. You can do that with a a, a robot, but then managing the flow, orchestrating, doing the value added tasks That's what we still, what we see lots of people for. And I think it's then really, in my opinion, the most exciting industry to work in, because you will see digital uh, digitalization applied not only where it is anyway native, so online and so on, but in mm-hmm. operations, robots working with people, working with humans, always with the best possible mix of who does what, and also with the most rewarding uh, task in there. So I think th- those, those type of, um, of operations that um, uh, use the best combination of still, for a very long time, unique human capabilities, but complemented with robotic automation, data insights wherever possible, um, is what we'll see in the next five and I think also still 10 years. Yeah.
0: That's exciting, Tim. And I guess that whole internet of things um, where you've got things operating with things and then those things operating with individuals, uh, you know, real people, That that's going to be a really exciting um, yeah. future development, yeah. I'm
1: sure. One last point, and maybe we can also, um, but I uh, just like that made me think what you mentioned, things acting with things. Just one concrete example again, because I don't want to be too, too technical all the time. But what we've seen with robots, for instance, is, um, you know, autonomous forklift, you mentioned that as well, takes the pallet, puts it somewhere, fine. But then we saw this actually, you know, um, moved the pallet up to the 12 meter um, pallet rack, but stopped and said, you know, pallet position is full. But we were like looking, it's not full, it's empty, we can see it. Okay, no, robot says it's full. What we found out is... They were spider webs all the way up there, yeah? And the cameras, because we say, you know, we need to be very (laughs) sensitive and, you know, safety first, we're sent to such a sensitive level that they said, no, the spider webs actually um, made this robot say, I can't put this pallet there. But that also shows, you know, the journey we still have to take and where humans and um, robots really have to work together to really, you know, realize the opportunity we have in that space, yeah? And this was like one, your floor example is another one, but I think there's like really you can see how these jobs change from, doing the yeah. grunt work for the human too, really enabling flow, ensuring perfectly set up operations, ensuring that people, robots automation work together. I think just one example I also um, I wanted to share, which is quite tangible um, to see how this collaboration also works in practice.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and even the robotic dog, the quadruped, you know, that, that animal the that that robot here I go. That robot can go to places that you might not want yes. people to go to for safety reasons. Exactly. Yep. Um, you know, we've just come out of a pandemic. I, I can definitely see an application for something robotic to do a bit of delivery that you might not want humans to do in the future. Oh yeah. Um just incredible how um how what a massive contribution technology can make to, to a human's life. Um if you could leave If you could leave one message behind Tim, perhaps to um, not so much a customer, but to anybody who's thinking that robotics might not be the way forward, that digital transformation may not be the way forward. What would you say to convince them?
1: Um, I would would say that for employees, customers and also for investors, I think it's a better world if we realise the opportunity that technology gives us. Yeah, so... And I'll make it very simple. I'm just looking at what affects most of our lives, which is jobs. Then, and if we look into mm-hmm. um, you know what really is driven by digitalization and technology, um, you know, it's jobs changed. It's uh, jobs that we lose and it's jobs that we gain. These you know three entities. And from everything that that I have seen in my uh, my entire uh, career at DHL Supply Chain, but also before when I when I worked in consulting across all logistics uh, verticals. Um, Yes, there are some jobs that we lose, but these are typical—not the ones where people are like, "I, I really want to keep unloading very heavy prosecco crates out of a container for the rest <laughs> of my life." Yeah, I really want exactly. to work a half ma- walk a half marathon or a marathon every day. Yeah, so I think that's you know where we don't see um, a-, a-, a huge issue. Well, jobs change. They get more interesting i think it's, it's it's super exciting to work in that space at the moment um you know if, if if i would go back when i was working in that warehouse in australia 18 years ago now i mean that job would look different i think it would look more interesting and then maybe i would even have accepted the guy's offer when he said hey you can become a shift manager here maybe i would have accepted yeah. back then and then lastly uh, jobs gained you know the whole opportunity for us in uh, logistics in more technology minded um uh, profiles um and actually seeing this really making a difference in the most essential industry that exists. I think that is why there is no, um, oh, I just don't wanna work with it. I wanna keep working manual. I wanna you know, stay as is. Um, I think there's there's just no no option of, of excelling in the current environment uh, where change really is the only constant uh, with that type of mindset.
0: One final question that you've more or less answered, I believe, um, I ask all my guests, what does connecting people and improving lives mean to you? You've got the best example here. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, so maybe let's start from the back. So Im- improving lives. Um, like again, one thing of course from a, from a customer perspective uh, would be delivering or continuing to delivering ever better logistics services. But improving lives also means um, for me to what we alluded to as well. You know, realizing the opportunity in creating the most exciting jobs in logistics that exist. And I really, you know, I also have a data science training. And then the question was always like, oh, do you you work? You want to work for? Google, Goldman Sachs, all of that stuff. But I really believe we have an absolutely enormous opportunity to make logistics also for these profiles and young talent, the most exciting industry, because you can then actually use your tools not to optimize a web page, And that's very important still, mm-hmm. you know, but to deliver essential services, which logistics are to the entire global community. Yeah, so that's really on, on improving lives. And I think on connecting people for me, um, was also exciting um, opportunity for DHL supply chain so my, my my job always starts in the morning, um, typically talking to our colleagues in APAC. Yeah, if I'm very early, still catching some of them in Australia, but then basically going um, around the world and discussing with this amazing team of experts from all regions, countries, and functions of how we actually realize that opportunity of improving lives. And I think. Of course also have the luxury of being born in a time when digital tools are what they are right now you mentioned mobile phones uh, we talk now just from our um, home offices um, on, on screens but i think that is then really also um, why it's super exciting to realize some of these um, um, opportunities to improve lives with DHL supply chain and with the global organization that we are we are then truly, truly unstoppable.
0: Yeah. yeah, we really are. Tim, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with us today. Your enthusiasm for your subject is absolutely infectious. Um, and it certainly made me want to learn even more about what we do today and what the future holds for all of us in terms of digitalization. Um, so thank you for making something quite tec- technical, easy to, to get a hold of and, and accessible and exciting for us. Um, and thanks to you also for listening. If you found this insightful, spread the word, share, subscribe. We'd really like to see your reviews and include the changes that you want to see in our next episodes. So thank you for joining us and see you again soon.